1: It's the Blue White Breakdown brought to you by Live. Here are your hosts, Bob Flounders and David Jones.
2: It's another edition of the Blue White Breakdown. We're continuing our summer uh, events, special events, and because basically Bob and I have nothing to say if it's really not football season, we're getting special guests. Another very special guest, my buddy, Bucks County native, Penn State grad, 1990. Is that right, Dana? Dana O'Neill from The Athletic is joining us. As Merv Griffin would have said, Isn't that nice? Isn't that nice?
1: <laughs> Merv Griffin, you're <laughs> really dating yourself, Dave.
2: Dana <laughs> you're
1: lucky I know who Merv Griffin is. <laughs> okay.
0: Half the audience just said, What are you
2: talking about? <laughs> What's a Merv? What's a Merv? I want to start there because. Most people I think know you're a Penn State grad, but not all people know you're a a severe, I don't know, a devoted Penn State. Severe. But, yeah, well, it's a cult. It is a cult. A Penn State, a Penn State football fan. And so to the point that sometimes, once in a while, occasionally, she will send angry texts during a game to me. So how did that begin? Why did you go to Penn State? And how did that and you were there for the 86th season as a freshman? What was that like?
1: So I'll go way to the way back machine. I went to a tiny little high school in Lambertville, New Jersey. I graduated with 68 people in my class. And my Mm -hmm. mother was my guidance, was one of the high school guidance counselors. So like everybody knew my business. Everybody knew my, like my friends got in trouble. I got to go see your mom. So (laughs) it was horrible. So I wanted to go someplace where nobody knew anything about me, but my social security number. And I looked all over Mm -hmm. in my head. I wanted to go to Boston College. I don't know why, but I did. And I went and visited Boston College and it was cold and kind of dreary. I mean, in their defense, it was winter. And then I went to Penn State and it was like footballs on the hub lawn and signs and la, la, la. I'm like, this was like what I closed my eyes and envisioned college to be. So I went there. I didn't know a single soul. I didn't know anybody that was already there. I mean, I literally could have crossed, walked across the river and saved my parents a lot of money as an in-state, but we didn't know. (laughs) know, I'm from New Jersey. So, yeah, I got up there my freshman year. They won the national championship. My claim to fame is um, they had the, the parade after school came back in session to celebrate the national championship. And Tom Bill, who was a quarterback, um, grew up at the high school right next door to me. So I Hunterton knew and Central. Hunterton Central, and I went to South Hunterton. So um, as the float rolled by with him, and he was just you know, a lowly freshman. It was him and Andre Collins were roommates. Yep. They saw me, and they picked me up, me and my girlfriend, and picked us up and put us on the float. So I rode through (laughs) town on the float and uh, at the end of it got pictures of like Shane Conlon and Trey Bauer, who to me were like, you know, Jesus and Christ. So I was like, this is fantastic. So, yeah, that was my freshman year. And this is, I this remember the
2: an entire Animal House episode. I oh,
1: it is. It's there. totally true. And the following year, if you remember, we stunk. I think it was the following year. Matt Kisner was the quarterback. Matt Kisner used to buy me beer. Thanks, Matt Kisner. Um, but, we
2: were, <laughs> but we were
1: horrible. And I'm like, what the heck is going on? Like, I thought we only won national championships. So.
2: And she's been using that voice ever since. What,
1: what is <laughs> going on? What the hell is going on? I've been asking that a lot lately. Like, oh, I know. Let's <laughs> run a dive up the middle, James Franklin. That's brilliant. <laughs> Didn't see that coming anyway. So that started it. And uh, yeah, so it was as I tell my kids all the time, like if you go to a place that you want to go back to because it holds such special memories for you, I don't care where it is. You've chosen. Well, Penn State's just a bunch of buildings. So it was my experiences and then the people I met there that made it special. But, you know, I, I had a great
2: time in college. And yet your daughter Madigan is going to Alabama and your son Kieran is about to go to Michigan State. What is his gonna it, it, what is his capacity in the athletic department with she is he's gonna work for Tom Izzo, right?
1: He is. So, so yeah, both of my kids. So Madigan, again, my daughter wanted big, far warm football. So she checked her boxes pretty nicely with Alabama. Um, and she wanted nothing to do with Penn State. You know, a lot of kids from where we are go there 13th grade. She didn't want she wanted nobody to know her who she was and what her business was. So she zipped off to Alabama and became really obnoxious because, like, this year she went to the national championship game. and They lost. I'm like, "How are you doing?" It's fine. We'll go next year, and it's in in LA, and I can just stay with my with my cousin. I'm like, "Well, you're not guaranteed to go next year, Like, mm, Kind of, we are. Yeah. And I can't even argue with him. Like, you suck. Like, you don't even know what it is to be a football fan. You don't suffer. Um, Kieran, I'll be honest, would have gone to Penn State happily. That was his first choice. Um, Penn State did not take him on main campus. I could go into a whole, I went down a lot of rabbit holes over that one and discovered a lot of things about my alma mater that I wasn't too pleased about, about the percentage of population on campus that's in-state versus out-of-state and the shift that's gone on in recent years. But he pivoted. He talked about um, getting involved in athletics between me and my husband's an athletic trainer at Princeton. He's around sports all the time. He just spent uh, Memorial Day weekend and the weekend prior to on the sidelines with the Princeton lacrosse team at the Final Four. So he kind of wanted to do something. And I was like, well, you know, if you go to Michigan State, I mean, you could be a basketball manager. I'm like, you're going to work your rear end off, but you'll have a ball. So we went out and visited. um, And you guys know Tom Izzo. I mean, he's fantastic. He's a nut, but he's a fantastic nut. And he rolled out, I mean, practically like a freaking five-star recruiting visit for my son and um, (laughs) sold him on it. And Kieran is very excited and really very fortunate, I think, because, yeah.
2: He must have sold him on it because you talk about Boston College weather being bad. <laughs> but
1: Kieran doesn't care. Kieran snowboards and skis, so the weather was not really a factor as much to him as it was to my daughter. It wasn't a factor at all. I hope he
2: can freezing rain board. That's yeah, awful. he can.
1: You know, he just got. He was like all into the energy, and he want he wanted Penn State. He wanted that energy and all that focus. I knew he <laughs> turned was all in on Michigan state when at one point he said to me, he's like, mom, do you know, like for senior night, even the managers get to go out and kiss the Spartan. I'm like, yeah, I know. He's like, you know, it'd be really cool. I said, what? He's like, it'd be really cool if on my senior night, we played Penn state and we kicked Okay,
2: there I, <laughs> I knew that I was getting it. there's going to be retribution. There's bitterness now, probably uh-huh. on your part as well. So uh-huh. nope. you have to recuse yourself from anything about Michigan state basketball.
1: Oh, sure. Absolutely. I'm not. Maybe the big
2: 10. I mean, he could affect the big 10 race. You got to get out of this.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I can't. Yeah. I mean, look, we, we will establish boundaries about what he can and can't tell me and um, and I'll, I'll respect that. And yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, as it calls me, long before Kieran was involved long yeah. before like, when I was at ESPN he used to call me and still calls me just once a, I don't know, six weeks, just to kvetch about something. So that one,
2: <laughs> did he ever rip you in a press conference because he did me Well, any stories about any coaches, but especially Izo, because he, he takes a few minutes to cool down after games, his yeah. cool down period should be 15 minutes, not 10. <laughs> and some legendary things have happened around him.
1: Yeah, no, he has not ripped me. Um, no, I mean, but I'm not really often in that circumstance as much. Like you know, I mean, I'm in an NCAA tournament circumstance, which is a little bit more,
2: yeah. sedated,
1: I guess you know, yeah. like if you you fights, that. like
2: this. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the as a as a beat writer, he got to know certain guys from certain schools. Yeah. And this is uh, this is probably 2006. It's a mundane after Sunday afternoon game. Penn State's horrible. Ed DeCellis is the coach. They played pretty well. They lost by 12. Izzo is really pissed off at his team. It's, it's a 2 o'clock start, so we got all the time in the world. And he's taking all the time in the world. And we're standing there in the green room, standing there at the Jordan Center. And I look at Jack Ebeling. I turn my back to the door, and I look at Jack Ebeling and say, what do you think he's doing, Jack? Is he in there taking a whip to him, or what's he doing? And <laughs> <laughs> right at that moment, he came in. Of course, <laughs>
1: <laughs> and he knew who
2: I was, but didn't really know me <laughs> but he on a conversational basis. And he, go, he, he says, and I hear this voice. Is that what you think I should do? Is that what you think? Is that, is that what you <laughs> that think? Right?" He, he is wired, you know, with the, those eyes like he has. And I'd seen him do this to other people, but it never happened to me. I said, Tom, you know, when, when, I don't know what you think you heard, but let's just get on with it. And he's still like he's looking at the he's looking at the stats and then looking at me. Mm-hmm. looking at me and all you could almost see all of a sudden him cool down and by the end you know another three minutes he was fine yeah. and I, we did the press conference i was then in there for another 20 minutes doing Penn State guys jack comes in and gets me and says Tom wants to talk to you and I said well you know I got a few things to do here I'm not you know it was another 20 minutes easy I finally went out in the in the in the hallway and he was there waiting for me to apologize.
1: Yeah, it sounds about right. And,
2: yeah, I mean, that's...
1: Yeah, it that's sounds about, about right. right. <laughs> but he runs that right. and cools quickly, and he's, I mean, he's, you know, he's hot-tempered and all those things, but at his core, he's a really good, I mean... Person. I will say one of the coolest thing he did when we went out there to to kind of visit the school, He, he like I said, he showed us around, got us tickets for the football, for a basketball game, getting the game against Michigan, of all things. Anyway, afterwards, he took Kieran up into his office and I just sat off in the corner. I'm like, you two talk. I'm not here. So I was eavesdropping and he went through the whole, all the expectations of being a manager and Kieran asked him some questions and he gave him great answers and all of these things. And at the end, he said, listen. When you come here, we are your family. We will welcome you. We treat our managers like gold, all of those things. But he said, it's January of your senior year of high school. Go enjoy your senior year of high school. We'll be here. Don't worry about it. I don't want you to worry about this stuff. You go You go be a senior in high school. You only get one shot at that. Go enjoy that. Which I thought was such a phenomenally wonderful message to share with an 18-year-old kid. Don't get caught up in college searches like everybody else. Go breathe and enjoy your senior year. It, it, it was such a lovely sentiment. I was like, all right, he's in good hands. This is not
2: the greatest segue, but we have a common history and some really, I mean, I'm like Forrest Gump. I have I have kind of run into, to just by chance, some great people before they were anybody and great events just by happenstance. And one of them was the Kentucky Duke game in 1992. And you were there, too, I believe, working for the Trentonian. Is that right? That fantastic
1: newspaper. Yes. Yeah,
2: and we're we're like two we're like two seats down. Tell me about you. You with well, I was doing you there. Yeah. <laughs> you at the time in your career and, and how how that unfolded for you.
1: I was two years out of college working at the Trentoni and I had interned there the summer before my senior year where I covered everything from Little League to the Yankees. I mean, we covered the District 12 Little League. Uh, like we were covering the freaking World Series. Like, <laughs> I mean, I'm interviewing 11 year olds like every day. Full box scores, pass ball, wild pitch. They're 11. But anyway, okay. so yeah, the, I covered small. I covered colleges, the Trentonian, like Rutgers, Trenton State, well, College of New Jersey, Ryder. Uh, Mercer, whatever, whatever they threw at Princeton. Um, and I think I don't even remember how in the world I ended up at, at the regional final. My guess <laughs> is that my sports editor at the time, I'm trying to remember if it was Chris D'Amico, I think it might have been Chris D'Amico. Chris D'Amico, yeah, great. Been like, yeah. just like a throw me a bone, like, here, kid, go cover this regional. So I'm like, okay, I have no idea what <laughs> I'm doing. And I remember. <laughs> coming out of that game and walking back into the press room. And I had met Bob Ryan because Bob is from Trenton. So he being a lovely human being, like was nice, little old 24 year old me. And he walked in. He's like, we are not worthy to write this game. And I'm like, I remember, well, that. Not I remember that. Yeah, I'm leaving. Yeah. Like yeah. I'm 20. I'm two years out of college and Bob Ryan doesn't know what to say. I should just go home. I've never looked to see what I wrote. I'm terrified of it. How many people <laughs> I know now that were at that game? You were there. Pat Forty was there. Ma- Mark Coombs was there. Chuck Culpepper was there. All these people who are my friends were at that game, but I didn't know anybody.
2: Rich, Rich Gar- Gar- No, I didn't know you either, right? Rich Garcello. Harvey yeah. Yaviner was not at that game, but you were. Um, I was
1: with Harvey Yaviner more times than most people, probably. <laughs> Bob, you want to you want to add anything on, yeah, is on that?
0: Anything? Is that the game that Leitner stepped on somebody's head? That yeah. would be the one, yes. He should have got kicked out, right? Yes. Today, yeah. he if he
1: had replay back then, he would not have made the shot because he would not have been <laughs> on the
0: court. Yes. <laughs> Duke was trying to repeat against a, a Kentucky team that was a bunch of walk-ons, and they played the game of their lives and should have beat them. Is that right? Then Wasn't Duke not nearly as t- – I'm sorry, Kentucky.
1: Yep. All that. And Patino was like, you know, I remember like Patino, I remember Patino playing, they played UMass the game before, right. With Calipari and like all this, like both of them are like taking their little leather shoes and stamp, you know. Pants, <laughs> um, and, and Cal did the same thing.
2: And Lenny Wirtz teed him up. Do you remember yep. that? Yep. I was, we, you must've had the same seat two days before as you did then. Right.
1: Probably again. Do, do you remember
2: this? Cause I've told this story ever since. Lenny worse. I think it was his last game. Right. And, yeah. and, and Calipari would not shut up. No, I do remember and that. It was a competitive game. It was about a six point yep. game. Calipari gets teed up. All of a sudden it's 14. Oh, it's over. Yep. And it's over. And there's like five minutes to go. And the crowd's kind of quiet in the spectrum. And he still won't shut up. Cal <laughs> still won't shut up because he's Cal. But The crowd's kind of quiet and Patino's d- down there. And I remember him yelling down. He goes, John. And, and Calipari looks up, because he's kind of his mentor, you know?
1: Yeah.
2: And John looks at him, he goes, and, and Patina goes, shut up! <laughs> trying, to, trying, to, trying to help him out. So That's you know, about right. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was crazy. It
1: was a lot of fun. This is the Blue White Breakdown.
0: Welcome to Cureleaf, a medical marijuana dispensary. Whether you're a longtime patient, or you're just getting acquainted with this incredible plant, CuraLeaf of Pennsylvania is honored to guide you along your medical marijuana journey. Have questions? Visit us at cureleaf.com or stop in to see us at any of our locations, including our new state college dispensary located at 1248 South Atherton Street. Let's talk medical marijuana and let our confidence
2: become yours. As far as Penn State basketball, mm-hmm. uh, you, you have also, now let's see, you just missed the great part of the Bruce Park killer.
1: I did. I was in Syracuse. I think. But I I wasn't in school. No, Mm-mm. I was covering it. Did you yeah. cover the
2: '91 Syracuse, the is UCLA game in Syracuse?
1: I did. I forget. Oh. I, I was not intentionally, but I I think I must. I forget who I was covering at the time or where I was. Maybe yeah. Princeton was up there, or somebody who else would have made probably Princeton. Princeton,
2: Princeton yeah. was there. Then. I was there they played North, Carolina. Yeah. They played North Carolina. They played North Carolina. Okay. Yeah. Penn State grads and Penn State fans and the, the, the small fraternity, the small proud fraternity that are Penn State basketball fans would want me to ask you, <laughs> is there ever hope for this program to get over the hump and be, I always compare it to what Wisconsin did under Dick yeah. Bennett uh, and, and, and then on, under Bo Ryan, who continued. Is that, is that possible at Penn State?
1: I think it should be. Um, <laughs> I think <laughs> that's right? not an answer. Well, no, but I think I think there's every re, there's no reason for Penn State to be as inadequate at basketball as they have been, you know, over the years, because um, even if you're taking the Pat Chambers plan and you're not getting one A players out of Phil, you're getting the one B, one C. They're pretty good. I think the secret to the sauce is you have to it, it's got to be a program that develops players. You can't waste your time, uh, concentrating on guys that you're not going to get, or who aren't going to be committed. You need to take your time and build it slowly with players <clears throat> stick around, which I know nobody wants to do these days, but there are people that want to, I think you just need to invest in that development. I think the biggest look, I mean, having been and seen the sausage made and you know it better than anybody. I mean, the commitment to basketball from the university side has been meh at best. I mean, it's, it's, they're all in when they're decent and making noise, but the, the, the financial investment, the take it seriously investment. I mean, it's, it's like lipstick on a pig half the time. They need to be make a more of a commitment. I do think by no... Um, intention of their own. They stumbled on a really good coach. I don't think they understand how good Micah Shrewsbury is. I think they made an accidental, I think they made a great mistake. Um, (laughs) They hired this great coach and they have no idea what they got. He's fantastic. Um, You know, you talk to Matt Painter, you talk to Brad Stevens, as I did when I was up there visiting with them. They can't say enough good things about his basketball brain his personality is terrific in that he doesn't need to be a big showman he's a low-key guy he relates to players he understands development he understands the kind of players that will work at Penn State and the kind that won't it sounds like a really insane analogy because it's like it's like apples and kumquats at this point but if you go way way back machine to Villanova before Jay got there I mean Jay took that, he developed players. He built a program by bringing in guys that were going to stick around and took his time. And that's what Penn state needs. And they need to have the patience for Micah to understand it's a really hard slog in the big 10, but it can be done. And like I said, I think he's a fantastic hire. I don't think they knew that. I think he is a fantastic hire. Yeah. and
2: And I think you can compare you know, people think of Purdue as a blue blood in the Big Ten. They are. But 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 wow. they, they don't recruit, especially when Gene Katie was done, that program was in the depths. Yeah. And Painter had to really build it from the foundation up. Right. And Micah Shrewsbury was part of that. And they developed a lot of kids.
1: Well, and if you uh, look at the entirety of the Big Ten, right, I mean, most of the Big Ten, the successful teams that stay at the top, are built that way. It's that league is not the SEC, obviously, for a thousand and one reasons and put a dollar sign in front of that. A thousand one reasons. But Big Ten programs tend to be in-house built if they're successful. So I, I agree. Yes. And Mike was part of that at Purdue. You're right. And
2: he's still, you know, I, I, I talked to him a couple of days ago about the Celtics series. Bob, you'd be interested in this because he still talks to Brad Stevens all the time. And I was talking to him specifically about Derek White. Now, here's a kid who played one year at Colorado, was at a D2 school. Nobody wanted him out of high school in, a, in suburban Denver. And that's who we were talking about. And once they put White in the game, uh, Stevens texted Mike and said, I think they got the right lineup in there. I forget which game he was talking about. But this is these are the kind of guys that Penn State could get, Derek White. Is there right. lots, dozens of Derek White's out there? Right. And I think Micah Shrewsbury can do that.
1: I agree with you. And I think he not only can do that, I think he wants to do that. I think that's part of the issue. You know, sometimes a coach understands I have to do that, but that's not necessarily the way they want to go, right? They prefer the easy road. I think he wants to do that. I think he recognizes the value in making a program go that way.
2: And I agree with you that you have to develop there because you're never going to get the high end, especially in NIL age. You're never going to get five star guys or even a lot many four star guys to go there. You have to do it the way Dick Bennett with Tony Bennett did it mm-hmm. at Wisconsin. Tony Bennett. I don't, I don't know if you know this, but I, I once had a conversation with Tim Curley about 2007. And I said, you know, and J, J- was going through his fifth year and, and they're going nowhere. He, to Ed's credit, they they did get over the hump with Taylor Battle, but but it's always up up the hill, three quarters of the way, and slide down with Penn State, which is what happened again, because they wouldn't invest in anything even after he made the NC tournament with Taylor Battle. But this is this is before that. This is like oh seven. And I said, you know, there's a guy, and I'm thinking exactly this: a guy who can take three-star talent and and make a real team out of it and that's all they want at penn state and he would, i said this guy's in pullman washington he's doing it on mars his name's tony bennett you might want to consider this guy because i think you could get him i think they could have gotten him for two million dollars he was probably making you know nine hundred thousand there and you know of course tim went yeah. oh that's that's nice, that's that's nice. <laughs> i can't believe they didn't listen to you dave <laughs> <laughs> go ahead Bob you, you probably got something
0: yeah Dana I just had one it's a it's a football question as a writer and also as a Penn State fan it's almost exactly 10 years to the day that the NCAA sanctions came out against Penn State Bill O'Brien's first year did you think the program was pretty much dead in the water because look at them now um, they haven't caught Ohio State but they're competitive Uh, You know, and they've done some good things in the last decade. What were you thinking at the time? Did you think it was over?
1: Yeah, I I mean, I I thought I thought a lot of things (laughs) Um, in that in that span of time, obviously, needless to say. But, yeah, I mean, I remember thinking that this is just and not just because of the sanctions, but because of the the stigma and the reputation. I was like, how are they ever going to get out from under this? Like. Football, you need a lot of guys to kind of take a flyer and and kind of come together. And I thought for sure, yeah, I thought for sure it was going to be really, really ugly for a really long time. I just assumed that nobody would come. I just assumed that you know Bill O'Brien would would do the best he could, but in that league, there's just no chance. And I think it's interesting in retrospect. He is sort of like I mean, forgotten isn't the proper word, but he's sort of glossed over sometimes. I mean. He was beyond pinnacle and in, in, ter- in keeping Penn State afloat. I mean, what an incredible job he did! Um, I think I don't think people understand exactly how difficult that was because, it, like I said, it wasn't just the sanctions, which were horrible and painful and limiting, but it was it was the stigma. I mean, I remember just you know my roommates and I used to talk about it all the time. Literally up till the whole story broke on Jerry Sandusky, people would say, "Where did you go to school, Penn State?" Oh, cool, Joe Paterno, that's awesome. Next day. Where'd you go to school? Penn State. Oh, and uh, and that was literally like for me, who I had nothing to do with anything, right? So you can imagine, like if you're a kid being recruited, like why would you want to go to a school where everyone's like, Ugh. so yeah, I never thought that they could keep it afloat. To be honest with you,
2: uh, we don't want to let Dana get away without yeah. mentioning this. Oh. It's all again. It's almost like Merv, and Dana has a Dana has a wonderful book. <laughs> right. This actually came out last fall, but I still get it. You you, you need a shore read to go up to the shore and just crack something open any place in it. It's one of those books. It's a lot like Didinger's Eagles Encyclopedia because there was so much went into that of, of all. The, and it goes all the way back to the, the very infancy of the Big East, uh, the when when they started it, of all the interviews you did in here. And I enjoyed so much of the mid 80s stuff because that was the honeypot of the whole thing. I was just reading stuff about Pearl Washington because it's so great. And Beheim talking about seeing him for the first time. What were your favorite interviews in the book? Because you got everybody. You got John Thompson before he died. You got you got everyone.
1: I You know, there are so many and I hate to single one out. But I will say what I'm most grateful for is I got I signed that started that book like December of 2019. And we all know what happened in March of 2020. Right. The world went bananas. <laughs> By God's good graces, I think somewhere in January or February, I went to New York and spent about four and a half hours with Luke Carnesecca and Jack Kaiser in a little room at Carnesecca Arena. With Jack Kaiser being the athletic director who hired Louie and was every bit as in, uh, important to the founding of the Big East as one of the coaches. So to sit there and listen to these two 90 year old men, Jack yeah. just cast last yeah. week, tell stories for four hours in person was amazing in and of itself but then covid happens like there's no you can't do you can't zoom with louis karnaseka right you can't get louis on the phone you you got to do that in person um so and they were just they played off of each other and the stories they tell i mean like louis talking about like coaching a jv baseball team and jack kaiser looking down at him totally ignoring the JV baseball team he's supposed to be coaching because he's leaning on the fence talking to Lou Alcindor. I mean, like that, like that happened. <laughs> um, It was crazy. Absolutely crazy. So it's just, yes. yeah, I mean, those two were just. the, the, the
2: Again, the, the book's called The Big East and it came out last, what, November? Mm-hmm. D- October. The great thing about it is that this has had a chance to kind of it's aged and like a, like a wine and all these people are looking back with fondness on this creation that they made, which is what makes uh, 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 the, the America's game. The NFL films reliving of the Super Bowl so great because w- when they get like Don Maynard crying over the, yeah. the, the Jets, the 1968 Jets, he's an old man. The, all these people were they're remembering it with a lot of a lot of heart, a lot of fondness.
1: Yeah, it's it was a lovely thing to be able to pick up the phone and saying, hey, I'm writing a book about the Big East. You want to tell me some stories? Nobody was like, no, Everyone was like, oh, how long do you have?
2: Yeah. yeah. I mean,
1: they all have such fondness for it, not just because it was funny and crazy, but there was such a connection I'm still amazed at the job. Right that, the yeah. Yeah. I mean, Dave Gavitt really forged a league based on look, you guys can scream and fight all you want in public, but when you are behind closed doors, you've got to support this league first. Otherwise we won't make it. And they all bought into that. I mean, some wild personalities went at each other hard, but they put the league first. And because they know how unique what they built is and still is, they just They have such a fondness. I actually
2: mentioned that when I was talking about Kevin Warren. Can you ever imagine what happened under Kevin Warren during the end of COVID or 2020 happening, for instance, under Jim Delaney? Because he always made those guys, they could fight and bicker and scream and yell. But once they were out in public, there was no dissension. They were all, as a political friend of Bob and mine used to say, pissing through the same straw. (laughs) (laughs) which is a delightful term, Uh, but, but, but that's, that's what the big East was and that's what Gavit achieved. And, and even, even after that, I think they still had that brotherhood.
1: I think they still have it now, which I think is really interesting. I think there's such a respect for what was that the coaches within it. I mean, it's a little different, God knows, because they keep changing a lot of faces, But I find that because they recognize that their strength is is basketball and they're only about basketball, it kind of cuts out the it cuts out the nonsense. I think that allows them to focus on one another with with true commitment because they don't have to worry about there's no envy about, oh, your football team's going to make more money. We're all the same here.
2: Bob, you got anything else? We got to let Dana go. I think I think I think she's
0: covered it all. It's been great. (laughs) I really enjoyed listening to it. I love the fact that she's a She's a die in the wool Penn State fan who gets worked up on Saturdays, just like we do in the press box. If something she's goes got
2: a, she's got a little Nittany line on the a magnet on Aww. the back of her car. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I do. I get a little I, fired up, but you know, I uh, when I when when things go ugly, now I get to be an Alabama fan. <laughs> that counts, right?
2: <laughs> <laughs> I think there's retribution coming into a Sparty. Anyway, as as Merv would have said, Dana O'Neill, you are a delight.
1: <laughs> Thanks, Merv. Um,
2: <laughs> uh, thanks for thanks for coming on, and uh, it was great. And see you out there someplace.
1: This has been the Blue White Breakdown, brought to you by Penn Live.